It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. Yeah. Yeah. That counts, but yeah. inside of the car traffic rage. Yeah, I, I feel like inside, because yeah, no one can like, be judged. I'm sure that. that some of the people that I've cussed out in traffic are just fine human beings, like genuinely like, you know, heroic human beings who have done, you know, great things for their fellow man, and I'm just, you know, but when they cut you off to, the, to yeah. the bad driver that they clearly are. <laughs> I got stuck in traffic in Cincinnati, where it was like stupid slow, and this dude completely cut me off, almost hit me. And so I did the whole like raging in the car, and he saw every minute of it. The next moment we were stopped... He tells me to roll down my window and I'm like, he rolls down his window. He's like, ma'am, I'm really sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off back there. And I was like, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, the answer to that is there are decent human beings that, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I felt so bad. Yeah. Like, oh, you're really nice. I actually am too, even though I didn't just. But you know what though? Like sometimes like if I do a, a, dick move on the road and I, I and I realized it's sort of like oh okay all right I'm sorry I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. That, that was me I'm sorry I'm sorry yeah. I'll own it yeah. I am yeah. to blame yeah <laughs> twas I right I'm the culprit I did the dickish yes <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like keyboard warriors is that what they call it keyboard, oh, yeah. like people yeah. that feel so brave behind yeah. a screen they can say anything they want yeah I just yeah. correct their grammar. I I just leave them alone. <laughs> I, I just or I just say yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. You're mm-hmm. right. Correct. Good on you. <laughs> well done, you. Talk to yourself. Yes. Asterisk. Why are you apostrophe? <laughs> right. It doesn't make them any happier, but it makes me feel better. Like <laughs> one last person spelling you're wrong. <laughs> Got him. I know. I'm so good. Right. When you can really grammar them in the face. Apostrophe. Apostrophe, Ari. Period. Your, your, your. <laughs> there, there, there. <laughs> it, only, it only proves how nerdy I really am. Like, I'm not really listening to what you're saying politically, <laughs> but I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and correct your spelling and grammar here. Well, but it's, it's the equivalent of like... I don't know, somebody giving a speech and, and they've got like a booger in their nose or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's hard to take somebody seriously when like their grammars... Like if you're making a, an impassioned political point and your grammar's not quite there. Right. I don't know. There, there, there. There, there, there. There, there, I don't know. I want to normalize telling people when they have a booger. <laughs> I'm not kidding! <laughs> Wouldn't you rather know? I would. Right. <laughs> it would be embarrassing for exponentially shorter time frames. Correct. Then sitting there and people are like. It. Yeah, uh, it's like you let me go through this whole interview. <laughs> yeah. With a giant you boogie. you saw that. Like I'm breathing and it's like. <laughs> if it's moving. Yeah, it's just like swinging and you're just <laughs> going to look. I don't okay. see any right now. I think you're good. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> That's the belfry. So, yeah. 
Thank you. I See, just, like this is what I'm talking about. Right. This is yeah. this is this is this good. is good looking out. That's yeah. good looking That's out. A That's a friend. true friend. Yeah. That's how we do it, man. I but would you do it to a complete stranger? I don't know. It's like, are they gonna snap on me? Like, why would they? Do they like the booger there? You never. I know. don't know many people who yeah, really know. like an in and out of the back cave. Accustomed to the booger. Yeah, maybe. I've grown accustomed. To <laughs> you say you got a booger in your nose. They're like, I know. I want it there. I put it there. That and like. His Lawrence. <laughs> booger. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is my booger. Yeah. I can't clean Lily. Why would a booger be French? I don't know. Why I not? like no. I I actually Boogers went there. Be from France, Krista. No, I went there with you. Is what I'm saying. Okay. I also had a French booger. I miss him. <laughs> is he coming back? Where did you go? Where are you? No. There was one time, and I am a little embarrassed by this, but I. I wanted to save the dude a moment. I was in a Walmart parking lot, so here we start. I mean, you can immediately go there. Walmart but parking lot, that's, that's The dude is, right like, about to go in the store. His fly is very, very much down. Yeah, man. Opening the floodgates to the wind. It was just to all... To a whole nother door. Yeah, open. Very much so. And I didn't, I didn't want to embarrass him, but I just was like, Sir, I just want you to know that your zipper is down. And he was like... And he immediately fixed it and walked in the store. So one person wow. embarrassing you versus a ton of people. Uh -huh. I mean, especially at a Walmart, you know? Yeah, like, because people record you at Walmart if they uh -huh. see stuff. So yeah. that's... Yeah. And that they would. That is very true. So that's what I'm saying. Normalize telling people. Their pants are unzipped and the boogers, the boogers are hanging out. Yep. Gotcha. If, they're ta if somebody's tag is hanging out, I'll randomly stop a person and be like, come here for just a second, your tag's hanging out. <laughs> I don't maybe I'm just weird I just feel nah, like it's, everybody's different but it's like it's rare that somebody will actually take the time to do those things I observe people that's what I do yeah I, I look at all different things and how they respond and how they move and how they speak to others yeah. so if something is wildly out of place that <laughs> hey you're you're because if you're if you've got a booger, I'm not gonna listen to a word you're saying. The I'm looking at the booger. Man. The booger right? is like yeah. much stronger and more. It does. Yeah, I got it, you. Yeah. <laughs> See? I got it. I understand. Sorry. Like going to the club with your good-looking friends, you know, like you're not gonna get into the action. Right. It's all the booger. The booger is yeah. a good-looking. The, the winner. The booger is a good-looking friend. Aren't you yeah. glad we started out this this conversation like this? This is great. <laughs> I love this place, man. <laughs> I love this place. I didn't mean to go on a tirade about it's nostril okay. deficiencies. Didn't we, though? I mean, I feel like this is pretty common territory for our No, show. it really is. I yeah. mean, but Just... there's there's a deeper lesson behind mm -hmm. the booger, you know? So... There's, yeah. there's context to it. Sure. So. There is. If it was just boogers, then it would just be boogers. But. It's never just boogers. Yeah. Right. There's a much deeper context behind the conversation and the purpose. And, you know, yeah, the and maybe you see something, say something. Right. My Get son is, is big on boogers. He's 10. You know. Um, so when he had to have, he just broke his arm recently. So he had to have surgery. And he knew, you know, we're like, dude, you can't eat anything after midnight. So as I'm tucking him in that night, he's like, <laughs> is, is <it> fucking 
<laughs> no water. <laughs> yeah, no, that was part of it, was no water after 5 a.m. I don't know. I think because when you're under the anesthesia, you could... Okay. The, uh, it, vomiting. It, it, I, yeah. got okay. I got you. I um, got you. So, so when I'm putting him to bed, he's just like, so I can't eat anything after midnight. I was like, nope. He goes, what about boogers? Dude. And I was like, okay, friend. Um, you, you, we shouldn't be eating really them anyway. To, yeah. Let's stop that, maybe. <laughs> the nice part is he can't pick his nose with his hand because his arms are his Wow. <laughs> Yo, that gotta be like the most inconvenient thing ever. Oh, well, he's got his left hand. He's figured it out. Okay, but, but yeah, just yeah. like I couldn't mm -hmm. imagine. I'm, yeah, but you can't pick with your off hand that easily. It's like writing, trying yeah. to write with yeah. your off hand. Right. You know. That's a dexterous move, man. You gotta, if, unless you're ambidextrous, I suppose. But, right. I have the feeling that everybody picks their noses. We just don't talk about it. I, everybody does. Like yeah. so, the, the way I was taught was. <laughs> So this, I was taught it's okay to like, you know, like remove, things. get the like right there yeah. on the edge. But if you have to do all of that, yeah, it's like just go to the bathroom. Yeah, go to the bathroom. Get out of here, like yeah. handle that. Yeah, but you but know, where does it happen most? In the car. The car. Yeah, I've seen more people picking their nostrils in the car than anything else. I don't That's think true. people realize that we can see through the windows and right. into your car. You're not invisible. Yeah, when you're at in least that. do it while you're driving. I don't know. Driving. Some people feel like they are, though. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's weird. What right. Are, what are your car habits? Like my car habit, well, singing songs. I what have do you no sing? business singing like old songs, like old school music. Aww. And then it's usually like you know, like the Motown high pitch voice. I have no business trying to sing, <laughs> but I do it. Cause you're like you're in the car, you feel comfortable. So mm -hmm. that's that's my thing. Um, occasionally, I can hit the notes. Occasionally, but nobody's nobody's yeah. bothered by it if you don't. No. Yeah, no. I. You know, like have my you ever? Is. You ever? Daddy, stop! <laughs> you ever play the music, like while you're singing it, it sounds good. But when the music ain't there, you try to sing, and you're uh -huh. like, oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that what I sound like? Yeah, it's like I, uh, I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> I will often put on, if I like, and I'm like, oh, my voice sounds good on this. I'll find the karaoke track, and then it's like, nope, voice didn't sound so <laughs> I, good I on that wrong. after. Hey, I might be able to pull this song. I cannot pull nope. this song. Right, this I lied. One doesn't, <laughs> like, oh, I don't have that low range. Okay, that's not good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm all right. How are you doing? I'm so glad to see you. It's good to see you too. This is this is and, cool. And, and in like a relax where we can actually chat, context. You have been busy. Yeah, like very busy. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's good busy though. Yeah, it is. I'm um. You got. I I have to keep myself busy because yeah. you know all the things that I like to do, the things that I believe in, and the visions and and. and uh, projects that I want to work on, I believe that you have to intensely uh, address them mm -hmm. on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, time is going to catch up to you. Yeah. And that's when you start to lose out on those different opportunities and mm -hmm. all those different chances. So, you know, I just like to keep myself busy and dive into every avenue possible to mm -hmm. make sure that I touch every aspect and possibility of growth in my life. Yeah. I love you. You're amazing. Um, I'm just going to wax poetic about you through most of this. That's but do you find that... Okay, here's a weird question. Are you a good sleeper? No. Okay. Yes and no, but no. 
Like your mind is just constantly. Yeah, my my uh usually I I only get very good sleep when I'm physically exhausted. So okay. if I work out, then I'll get some good sleep. Mm -hmm. But if I don't, my mind is constantly racing. Um, I can wake up in the middle of the night mm -hmm. with a thought like, let mm -hmm. me write that down. You do write it down. Yes, That's I good. do. Yeah, I wake up in the middle of the night and I write stuff down okay. because I have a new thought coming in probably like 10 seconds later. Mm -hmm. So I have to stay on top of the thoughts that I have so I can yeah. go back and see what it was I was thinking about. And when you write things down, mm -hmm. you realize how many thoughts you can actually forget. I do forget a lot. Yes, and that's why I write stuff down instantly. And what is interesting is I can't tell you how many of those things I have brought to life. Okay. Because I could go back and look at it yeah. and say, this was in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I can actually put it to use instead of trying to remember at a later date mm -hmm. after it's too late now. Right. So, yeah. I when did you make that? that and when did you decide to start? When did that start happening for you? Because I, I had to, uh, there was a point in my life when I realized that I, if I didn't start making notes of things, they just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so to be a, to be a hundred percent honest, it really, it kickstarted when I had did the TEDx talk. It was the very first time in my life that I planned for something months in advance. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. It might rain that day. It might snow. Uh, yeah. My car might break down. But the fact that I had time to think about those things mm -hmm. made me say, wow, okay. It's written in stone. Yep. I can look at it. I can prepare for it. And... After my TEDx talk, that's when I started to get a little bit more recognition. Mm -hmm. And I became much more busy. Yeah. And I was just trying to remember dates. I was trying to remember right. notes. I was trying to remember speeches. And yeah. I would get to places or a date would come up and I would just be scrambled. I would be scrambled. I wouldn't understand. Um, I wouldn't be ready for what time I was supposed to be present. I mm -hmm. wouldn't have all my notes together like I thought I would. Yeah. I wouldn't have my speech prepared the way I wanted it to be. And my mind would just constantly race if I didn't have something I could physically look at and say, yeah. okay, this is what's next. Um, and <laughs> this is going to be funny too, but uh, if you play video games in an open world game, you can get lost. Like You can get seriously lost, but you can usually press start mm -hmm. and look at that checklist mm. and it directs you to what you have to do next. Yeah. So there's this game called Skyrim, one of my favorite games and it's a massive map and you can go from the, to the, to the snowy mountains, to the swamps, you can fight dragons and uh, tree witches, whatever it is, I hate tree witches. but you get lost <laughs> if you do yeah. not follow the story. Mm -hmm. So, when I was lost, I was like, let me actually do the stories. Mm -hmm. Like, they're telling me exactly what to do and where to right. go. And I created that type of list for myself in real life. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. All of these tasks are finished. Yeah. So now I can move on to the next thing. So, you know, when it comes to me being busy and um, diving into all of these different avenues, mm -hmm. it's a lot easier because I have a notepad that I can revert back to and Your say quest log. my quest log <laughs> my qu yeah quest log yeah. my quest log and I can say all right I finished this mission so okay. 
on to the next mission. Do you physically write stuff down, or are you a technological... I'm both. Are you? Like, whatever is close to me, Okay. I'll write. Because yeah. what's interesting is, like, those real good thoughts, mm -hmm. they disappear quick. Mm -hmm. For some odd reason, the horrible thoughts, they stick with you they for the stay. rest of your You're life. You're so good yeah. at sticking around. But the good stuff... Where you like, this is the idea that could make me a millionaire. Yeah. Or this is the idea that could save the world. It only sit in your brain for like five seconds. Yep. Yep. So I yep. learned to to write it down. If it's a piece of chalk, I'm like, let just mm -hmm. write this on this table. Or if it's my phone, put it in my notepad. Mm -hmm. If it's a, a piece of paper, if I gotta spell it out with water. <laughs> like, but I feel with, like the act of writing it down, just making a yeah, note of what it is, yes. secures it in the brain. It you know does, I mean? and that's mm -hmm. it it creates space in my brain for it yeah. to yeah. exist mm -hmm. and you know consistently be present yeah. to where eventually I could put it into action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to. If I want to. Because I know there's a lot of ideas sometimes that it's like, yeah. this is great. Then later I on. I can't do that right now. Right, right, right. You <laughs> got it's there for when you can. Right. You got to save it. Yeah. I need to start doing that. I think you should. The problem with me is that I get up in the middle of the night and I have those ideas and then I just don't get back to sleep. <laughs> and when I finally do, it's like yeah. 4 a.m. and then I've forgotten everything. So. Right, right, right. That's why you got to write it down. Except the dream about Shaq. I had a dream about Shaq a couple of weeks ago. That's, that's he was scary. He is scary, dude. Well, no, yeah. he himself is probably the most lovely human being, but I've been listening to a lot of murder podcasts. <laughs> I think too many, because I had a dream that I was shielding somebody, and then I looked down the bottom of the staircase, and Shaq had this, like, <laughs> it, the clown smile. I was like... Yeah, that's, that's a... I don't want to see Shaq with a clown mask no. on. It was pretty scary. I would be scared of it Shaq. It took me a while. Mask. You know, when you have to sit there and like reevaluate your nightmares, like, okay, this wasn't real. I'm sitting there laying in the bed at three o'clock in the morning going, Shaq's not real. He's not a clown. So you know how they say every um, every dream has a meaning? What was that then? Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, no, you... I think it was Krista's listening to too many murder okay, podcasts. Okay, cool, because I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. No, there's a lot of dreams that are very easy to interpret. Yeah. I do dream pretty vi vividly. Yeah. I don't I, always remember, but the ones... Yeah. I, I actually... <laughs> I guess this is a fancy way to say I don't dream. Mm. Um, I literally have visions of what I'm thinking mm. before I go to sleep. Really? So if I'm thinking about taking a test, I will literally have a vision of me taking a test... Is there, it seemed like there's really no deeper meaning in mm -hmm. my dreams except for exactly what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. So if I'm like having issues with my car, I have a dream that I'm having issues with my car. Okay. Um, if I want some good food that I'm thinking about tomorrow, I'm going to dream about that food. So, wow. Yeah. I wish I wish I did. Yeah. That'd be nice. It's... I just have dumb ones. <laughs> I have a lot of the car crash dreams. Oh, were you? I am wake up? about to hit a car and then I wake up. I go, I like, I done got slapped in my dream. I done fell off the cliff. Um, mm. Car accidents and like, usually I'm just like, well, damn. Well, that sucked. All right. Back to taking this test. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after this yeah. car crash, let me just take this test. Is it that you are looking down on yourself or you yourself are in? I believe I'm so in the scenario. So, um, lucid. I'm mm -hmm. a lucid dreamer. Mm -hmm. I can control my dreams. Okay. 
Um, like even when it gets out of control, I'm like I'm fully aware that I'm dreaming, okay. but I can stay asleep and within the dream at the same time. So it's like when something happens, that's my subconscious mm -hmm. and not my conscious. I'm like, oh, that's just the dream doing whatever the dream is doing. I gotta get back to taking this test though. <laughs> you have a lot of test taking dreams. I do. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, I, I I don't like tests. I want to manifest more of the food dreams. I do you. too. What's your favorite place to eat? Um, what do you crave? Chicken all the time. What every kind? Day. Um, I definitely love like chicken, like spice. It, it might be like garlic, spicy garlic from like most places. It got a nice balance to it. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to cook it right too. You can't just have like some super burnt chicken or um. You, you just have to make sure you do it right because chicken mm -hmm. is so universal mm -hmm. to me. I, as you see, I'm getting a little bit excited. It's, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things you can make in so many different ways, but I definitely love to just sit down, relax, have some chicken wings, like when you're watching a game or, or sports or something of that nature, and it just it's so accommodating for that. Mm -hmm. It's accommodating for a person that just wants to relax. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love it. I love chicken. I do too. Um, I like, I like pasta too. Yeah. Like pasta salad or um, just different types of pasta with chicken in it, and um, some like amazing sauce. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So I, I just, just feed me. I'm not picky though. Well, it's about lunchtime, isn't it, man? I know. We yeah. should. This is. We do this a lot when we have like pre-noon podcasts. We're like, let's talk about food, and then by the end, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely love food, and I'm not picky. You ever met a, a person that's like, oh, I don't care, whatever, you know, just whatever you want. That's what we'll get. But that's you. No. Oh, that's not you. No, yes, it is. Where I'm, I'm, re I really mean it when I say it. Yeah. Though. There's people like, oh, I don't care, whatever. And then you say, well, let's go here. Like, oh, I really don't like that. Well, you just ruined the whole mm -hmm. idea and concept of saying, mm -hmm. pick whatever you want. I don't care. Yeah. I'm not picky. You just pick something else mm -hmm. that I picked. It's, it's right. defeats the purpose. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I, if you take, you can take me anywhere, and I'll find something to eat. Mm -hmm. To to the the most cheap knockoff restaurant to the most fancy one, I will find something. Can you speak to my children about that concept, yes. please? Please. A hundred percent. They're so boring. I could give them a class about it. They eat like seven things. It's great. <laughs> I think we were more obsessed with getting them to sleep than forcing them to eat. That's, that's picky battles. It's you know? pretty serious. I mean, one way or the other, we were happy. <laughs> But anyway, I digress. Speaking of children, though, yeah, yeah. you started at the beginning of COVID with a new project, mm -hmm. and that was? So, um, at the beginning of COVID, I started with the project, uh, my very first book. Mm -hmm. um, it's called So Long, Unfinished Goodbyes with the Children of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the title is So Period, mm -hmm. Long Period. So the term so long is like all right i'll see you later mm -hmm. but when you put the periods there it's two completely different statements yep. so it's like it's taking so <clears throat> long mm -hmm. to get back to a sense of normalcy right and um the other part unfinished goodbyes with children of covid 19 is um paying recognition to the fact that we had so many ideas and plans but with covid unexpectedly disrupting mm -hmm. everything and shutting cities down 
the promises that you made to children, the time that you were going to spend with children, um, the lessons that you were trying to mm -hmm. teach children, and also the children that you may need to apologize to, yeah. the children that you you feel like, okay, I, I probably should put a little bit more work in with mm -hmm. this kid because I've given so much attention to this kid. Right. All of that was taken from me mm -hmm. and from other teachers and mentors and anybody as well. So yeah. with this project, I wanted to pay homage to our children mm -hmm. because it seems like in the midst of COVID-19, we talked about the issues that adults faced a lot. Mm -hmm. The adults were losing their jobs, mm -hmm. um, uncertainty, people were furloughed, um, the economy started to shift. Uh, it, it became very difficult for the parents and what was interesting is the children depend on their parents. Mm -hmm. This was one of the first times in history where adults of every single race, religion, ethnicity, sexual orientation mm -hmm. can look at the children in their life and say, I have no idea mm -hmm. what's about to happen to us. Yep. I don't know if I can protect you the way I usually mm -hmm. do. I don't know if we're going to have a home. <laughs> I don't know what's yeah. going to happen next because I'm uncertain. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of adults became children again where mm -hmm. they were like, who do I depend on? Right. Who do I trust? Mm -hmm. What's the next step for me? I'm looking for guidance. Yeah. Um, and you know how as adults we can, we can compensate in some areas mm -hmm. if we're good at these things, but if there's things we're not good at and we don't fully comprehend or understand, it's okay because mm -hmm. we're, we're doing so good in other right. areas, but right. COVID exposed Everything. a lot of our weaknesses and what we didn't know and what mm -hmm. we weren't prepared for. Mm -hmm. um, or how we respond to certain things. Exactly. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I gave insight to what was going on with our children mm -hmm. and hopefully begin a conversation to talk about what we need to do to help them and support mm -hmm. them just in case something like this ever comes up again. Also, <laughs> right, knock on wood. Uh, also, <clears throat> let's make sure that we pay attention to what's been going on for a long time mm -hmm. and not wait for such a major event mm -hmm. to take place to finally say, all right, this is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. This is what we should have been doing the whole right. time. Right. But um, <clears throat> it's, like, it's like somebody knowing that they're not feeling good mm -hmm. and as time progresses the sickness gets worse and you you get to the doctor and they're like you should have came in a long time ago and yeah. you know you should have right. but <clears throat> it's easy to look at what is manifesting and say i'm not gonna pay too much attention to it right now eventually i'll be able to get to it and i feel like with our children you we usually always do that eventually we're gonna get to the kids yeah but yeah. right now let's handle all of these things right Right. Now we don't have much of a choice. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I see that. I remember there was a posting, because I've got a fifth grader and an eighth grader, mm -hmm. and it was a chart that basically said, the last time school was normal for your child, mm -hmm. for my kid, was second grade. Wow. And he's in fifth. Wow. But you think that second grade was a full school year. Yeah. Third grade stopped in March. Wow. Kind right. of finished. Right. It was awful. Right, right. <laughs> and then fourth grade was in and out and in and out and in and out and yeah. fear. And what do we do? And we're masked. Right. And how do we do this? Right. And now fifth grade, 
they're in, they're masked, they kind of know what to expect, but it's still not normal. Right. It's, yes, um, <laughs> it is a major shift and it's complicated because, mm -hmm. especially the younger children, they're like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Why am I wearing a mask? Right. I can't tell you how many times I had to tell younger children, can you pull your mask back up? And they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> After pulling it up, okay, Mr. Dante. I like the ones that are like, I got to sneeze. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay. At the same time, sneezing into your mask is possibly it's one of the grossest awful. things that I've ever Very is. Yes. Or when your nose is running. <laughs> oh, it's the worst. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> I hate masks. I, I'll, I'm happy to wear them, but man... <laughs> yeah. I like them in the winter. Yeah, I'm always yeah. cold. It's, so it, it definitely keeps your, your nose and yeah. your face warm. So I, I definitely do appreciate the mask in wintertime. I am amazed at how resilient. And maybe because they weren't getting the attention they needed, they just mm -hmm. became resilient as a yeah. coping mechanism. Yeah. But just how adaptable they were. Yeah. And because this is going to be a part, I mean, abnormal, but that's normalcy. Yeah. Hey, I remember back when I was in elementary and COVID hit, we had to wear masks to school every day mm -hmm. and sometimes we had to quarantine. Right. They right. don't even realize like how big of a deal that is. They won't realize like no. my kid, he was in kindergarten when it first hit. So mm -hmm. like he has not he's in second he doesn't, grade. So he, he doesn't know. He doesn't wow. know what a normal school year that's, looks like. Yeah. Wow. I mean yeah. that's that's wild that's deep. That's deep. So um and I mean, of course, you know, the mask were one of the obvious things that you would see children would have to adapt to. But mm -hmm. just looking at the experiences in the education system as a whole, um, with the yeah. upcoming generation in technology, mm -hmm. something that I saw happen um, after I kind of skipping around a little bit. But something yeah. that I saw happen was a young girl in pre-K. She was at the computer and I was asking her questions like, you know, just you know, go ahead and do the test so mm -hmm. we can see how good you are. Do you understand math? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Do you, can you yeah. comprehend that? Go ahead and do that. And she wouldn't do it. And I kept coming back and asking her and I got frustrated. Yeah. And this is a preschooler. Yeah. And I'm like, she's not listening. She's not doing anything. Yeah. I don't know what to do. And I had asked her one more time and she had touched the screen. She was trying to scroll on the screen. And I was like, oh. You don't know what you're doing, do you? I was like, she's used to the iPad. Yeah. Yep. She's used to scrolling. Right. Yeah. And she's thinking something's wrong with the computer. And I had to check myself because yeah. I'm like, I probably scared her a little bit or yeah. made her feel like she wasn't paying attention. Yeah. But I have to be conscious of the mm -hmm. fact that schools sometimes have outdated equipment. Mm -hmm. And at home, kids have a different type of equipment that they right. use. Yep. And in the school space, we have to accommodate children the best way that we can to right. fit their educational needs. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show with COVID and other mm -hmm. things, there's so many things taking place with children that could impact their learning. And mm -hmm. we have to figure out what to do to be supportive of that. And empathetic. Very empathetic. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. something that we learned in our house was there's a big tendency to just get so overwhelmed that you just don't do it. Right. Which is, that's a hard concept for my generation. Yeah. Like, nope, you just do it. You don't yeah. have a choice. You yeah. just do yeah, it. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. 
But this generation's like, no, I don't want to fail right. any more than I have, so it's better for me not to do it. Right. It's right. such a hard thing to unlearn yeah. or how to teach, how to take a different mentality with it. Yeah. Because we just didn't have a choice. Right, right. But everything was at our fingertips, too. Right. And we didn't have that sitting on a, I mean, I, I can't count the days that I sat on a bed with both kids begrudgingly doing homework, but they wouldn't do it unless somebody was. Right there. Mm-hmm. So I got nothing done. I mean, it was painful. Wow. And meanwhile, they're seeing both parents struggling and trying to figure things out. And mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, it was intense. Um, it was scary because uh, I jokingly had told one of my coworkers, um, that if this is the last time I see you, you know, like, I love you. Ha ha ha. Like we were joking. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. You know, we're going to come back to school. It's but, an uh, extended spring break. Yeah. That's it's like, it ha. but, uh, as time passed, they were like, we're not coming back to school for another month. Yeah. I was like, okay. Then after that, <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. we're not coming back to school at all for the rest of the year. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, interesting how it shifted from teachers Mm -hmm. being the teachers and parents and children becoming teachers you got older siblings working with younger siblings now Mm -hmm. you have some parents that were able to utilize that time of uncertainty and become the teacher right um and and thank goodness for the you know chromebooks like Mm -hmm. for for the school district i was working for they were able to get chromebooks but they also had issues Mm -hmm. where um it was one chromebook per household so you know and these are some of the the issues i would like to discuss with my book it's like Mm -hmm. you know when it comes to funding and um under-resourced environments where you have major districts Mm -hmm. we have to really think about those things some kids uh, have siblings some have a lot of siblings exactly and they the school said you know high school students were priority so the high school students would get the Chromebook while the other kids, um, I believe, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if they had to share. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I was just thinking to myself, wow, if I was a parent and I had three kids, one in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary school, mm-hmm. I have to make a decision on which one of my children is going to fail this year. Jeez. You know, which one is not going to get good grades and which one is going to get good grades and which one may semi get good grades Mm -hmm. some people learn at different rates for me like when i'm in front of a laptop doing things online sometimes i have to sit there for hours to digest the information Mm -hmm. um because i receive information in so many different ways um doing things online and reading those are one of my slowest forms of digesting Mm -hmm. information Right. So imagine if one kid needs much more hours to uh, figure out what it is they're trying to learn and another kid needs the same thing. An assignment is due tomorrow. Right. Like I said, it's unfortunate, but some parents mm-hmm. was put in a position where they had to figure out which child is not going to get their homework done yep. because of the circumstances that we're facing. Right. And it's not... It's This is a part of the system that I'm not a fan of. Um, mm-hmm. I love, I love teachers. I love the principals that are doing their best. I love the uh, schools that are trying to implement mm-hmm. programs and resources and whatnot. But I'm not a fan of the system and how 
I, I wish the system was much more proactive mm -hmm. and inclusive of the teachers and the students yep. and the parents so we could find some type of mm -hmm. balance yeah. in moments like this. I think that this time brought up a lot of those challenges mm -hmm. that they may never have seen before or like, hey, so you know, we don't have the funding to take care of everybody. You exactly. never gave us the funding. We never had the funding. No. <laughs> right. No. Never had the funding in the first place. And so. the teachers were at a loss. A major loss. And, you know, because there were parents that had no choice. Yeah. When you've got parents that are working outside the home mm -hmm. and continue to work outside the home, and you've got the 15-year-old taking care of three kids. Yep. Yep. And we ran into that. I used to teach some kids that in an acting program online, <laughs> which... Dear Lord, I'd never hope to do again. Online? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. We did theater classes online. Uh-uh. However, <laughs> no. the, the affection and love that these kids gave to it, mm -hmm. and even the teachers saying, it's so good to see them smiling. Wow. Um, I, and I remember there were a couple of times, oh, the chat. Oh, the chat. That, but they would pop on and say silly things. Or, mm -hmm. But I, there were so many weeks it was like, hey, Miss Krista, don't tell anybody, but you're my favorite teacher. It's mm -hmm. like... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. And I, I think so much of that was like, they need the affection so much more, too. Right. Because they don't physically see their teachers, especially right. the little ones. Like, the teachers of little ones are like parents Parent, in themselves. They're like second parents. Yeah. I mean, that's... I believe all teachers are like second parents. That's mm -hmm. one of the philosophies that I try to implement in the minds of different teachers that I work with mm -hmm. is that, you know, when their parents aren't around, the children are 100% dependent on you. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, beyond being a teacher, they do become social workers sometimes. Yep. They do become uh, counselors. Mm -hmm. They do become uh, supporters outside of school they'll support the children they do all of those things and that means a lot to a child yeah. because they're like hey this person really cares about me mm -hmm. and those moments help boost a, a child's self-esteem mm -hmm. and awareness of themselves yeah. and comfort with trusting people and and you know with that experience from a teacher kids mm -hmm. can also get the negative experience mm -hmm. where it'll cause them to shut down completely right so you know i try to remind teachers like you're definitely a second parent and throughout their lifetime in the education system you shape and mold an individual mm -hmm. for society yeah so you have to be conscious of a lot of the things that you're doing and saying because it it sticks with a person throughout their life sure does yeah and we remember those negative things from yeah. teachers still 100 percent. been out of school a lot longer than you have and i still remember them too like <laughs> Yeah. But they do. And I think, like, my question for you about the book is how, what stories did you pull? Was it easy to to pull from your experiences? Or did you have to think about certain things? Or was it just like, boom, 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 boom? It was, um, I had to really sit and think. But what happened was, um, on social media, I had, like, as a joke, it was just a joke mm -hmm. in the very beginning. I would post just short stories about interactions I had with kids. Mm -hmm. Um, like some kids would like just make a joke about like if I, I change my if I shave or something they'd be like you look like Scar from mm -hmm. Lion King oh they're so brutal. it's like oh goodness yep. um, 
And it, it was just so many different jokes and whatnot with the kids. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I was like, this is kind of cool. Like, mm -hmm. just documenting what's going on with the kids and yeah. uh, remembering stories. And uh, something that I didn't share was um, I had this process with the children where it's called like the walk and talk or the sit and talk. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is we would build with Legos mm -hmm. or um, things that you could connect, links, yeah. whatever. And once they were done, I would take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. And then I would write a short like diary entry about the kid. Mm -hmm. And it made me remember them and feel them. And the next time something came up, I would be able to revert back to what we talked about and have that conversation again. Mm -hmm. So have you, do you feel like you're doing better now? Did the teacher say this to you this time? Did mm -hmm. you try to, to not get angry this time? And that's how I started to develop the sense of writing stories and documenting mm -hmm. my moments with children. Yeah. And at that point, I just started collecting all of these different stories. Mm -hmm. And not only what I felt the children were learning, but I started to talk about what I was learning from the children. And I had all of the stuff already there, but I was not thinking of a book, to yeah. be 100% honest. Yeah. I, I never thought I would write a book. Or I figured, like, when I'm 50 years old, I'll finally write the book. Yeah. I have a lot more experiences I have to get into. I have so many other things that I have to, to talk about or I have mm -hmm. to learn this. But I, I realized once COVID hit that that was the perfect time to write. Um, me being who I am and going to places I've gone and doing the things I've done, I'm in a space where people are trying their hardest to understand and comprehend how to work with children, mm -hmm. especially if they come from a different cultural background or socioeconomic status, whatnot. Mm -hmm. People are really trying their hardest to figure out what it is we have to do to help. And I'm literally in that space. Mm -hmm. I'm literally the storyteller yeah. of those experiences with children. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to make sure that I gave people a chance to feel the human aspects of the children. Right. So the stories that I'm sharing are literally just an invite for you to see mm -hmm. what it's like to be in that space yeah. with me as an African-American male in a predominantly black school mm -hmm. that is in poverty. How do you exist in that school? What does right. it look like? Right. What are the conversations like? What are the children like? Mm -hmm. And usually we, we throw these labels on our children. Mm -hmm. We say they're emotionally disturbed. They have the, you know, IEP. They, um, mm -hmm. they don't have food, food insecurity. They come to school so they could escape a dangerous mm -hmm. life at home. We hear those things all right. the time and I'm grateful that people care mm -hmm. and they can uh, conceptualize those things. But that's not necessarily mm -hmm. always the truth they're or the case. Kid. Yeah, and they're <laughs> still just children. Yeah. And the, the dangerous part that I've seen organizations and institutions do, they come into schools and say, we want to help, but they're doing it from the lens of all of those labels. Mm -hmm. And when you come into an environment with a preconceived notion of who someone is, right. there's a limitation to how you're going to treat them. Mm -hmm. And you never give them a full experience that could be helpful. If yeah. all I'm thinking is you're emotionally disturbed, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to limit how I engage with you. Mm 
if I get a, a list that says, you know, the, this is how the children engage in this environment and this is how you should respond, I'm not going to be my natural self. Um, that feels so clinical. Very much. And exactly. Yeah. And what happens is there's absolutely nothing wrong with recognizing that the, the clinical aspect is important. It's the research. It's the, the science behind things. Yeah. Yes. But you have to also have the human experience attached to mm -hmm. anything that you do. And the reason we keep having the same issues over and over and over years later is because I believe we're skipping past that. Yeah. There's not with my book, there's no scientific stuff that you have to go through. There's no statistics that you have to uh, mm -hmm. go over and check to make sure I got it correct. I'm literally giving you the humane stories from mm -hmm. my experiences that I had with children, lessons that I learned, moments where I felt I was wrong, moments where I, I learned things that were valuable when I were able to implement when it came to other children. And also just reflect. Yeah. Because it's it's so dangerous to not understand how your presence, your words can impact the innocent child mm -hmm. and how it programs them to become someone right i have memories of what has happened to me as a child in the classroom mm -hmm. and how it made me become silent it made me lose my confidence right. it made me feel like i couldn't go around this group of people mm -hmm. i i felt i really felt like i was stupid mm. like as a kid mm -hmm. i'm like i am yeah. dumb um i don't get a's like certain people do um, and I was quiet because I'm like, I don't want to say anything wrong. I don't want to upset this teacher because of what a past teacher did. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm using my past teacher in every single classroom that I went to. And it's, you know, one of the things that I discuss is like, you know, people look at me now and they're like, when you were in school, you're a different person. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually the same person. Mm -hmm no one just saw me back then or no right. one dug deeper mm -hmm. to find out what it was I was thinking in my head. I've always had these visions and these dreams, mm -hmm. but in a space where it's, it's a high stress environment. Yeah. With this book, I've learned how to be more empathetic mm -hmm. with some of the teachers I, w I was angry with mm -hmm. as a child because being an instructional assistant and a teacher's aide, I had to really dive deep into that experience and see what it was like working with children mm -hmm. and what it's like supporting teachers that need that support and may not be getting that support. Right. But um, something I believe every single teacher can do, every single child advocate can do, is make sure that they create a proper, safe environment for the children that they're working with. Mm -hmm. I think what I love so much about your your journey and your mission is that you are a constant student yeah that i mean where you say like i i taught this or i do this with the kid no you say more of like i learned this because yeah. of this kid and i learned yeah. this because of this experience or my past experience it's like you are mm -hmm. constantly yeah. a student of yourself in yeah. a way yeah yeah which i think is 
to me is so powerful because it means that you don't claim to be an expert. Never. You can still learn. I'm not an expert in any way, shape, or form. No. Um, and you don't want to be. I, I And I feel like once we say I'm an expert mm -hmm. at this, there's no more learning. Right. Um, I, I understand the label and concept of expert, of course, but... Or the go-to person. Yeah, like some people take it to the extreme mm -hmm. and i'll say i'll say this how many people are experts in certain uh levels of study or work and issues still exist mm -hmm. expertise right. is one form of addressing issues mm -hmm. but it's not the end-all be-all answer right. so we need all forms of um, engagement and understanding and mm -hmm. storytellers and, and workers that can come from different angles to say we're all going to address this issue mm -hmm. as ourselves and mm -hmm. figure out what we need to do to figure out how to better assist our children mm -hmm. and just make a better future for mm -hmm. them that's that's serious so Absolutely. i that's how i've been most of my life where a yeah. lot of things that i do i'm self-taught yeah i, I taught myself how to use a camera mm -hmm. to make the documentaries i taught myself how to give speeches all the things that I do, I'm, I'm pretty much self-taught. Mm -hmm. And there's occasionally people like, yeah, what school did you go to? And um, what? who's your teacher? And uh, I'm like, I, me? I just, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was with myself. Um, yeah. You know, I, I went to Columbus State, and I definitely got some things from that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, and that's a community college. And some people are like, did you go to a, a, a school in New York or uh, somewhere? I'm, did you travel? How did you get this perspective? And, it's, it's really just diving inside of yourself and being honest. And that's the constant student in you. Right, right. I'm my own student. Yeah. At all times. Right. I'm not an institution's mm -hmm. student. I'm my student. And when, you, when you're your own student, you consistently grow. Mm -hmm. But you realize that growth is something that always happens. Right. So you can't stifle your own growth by thinking, now I've gotten this uh, degree Mm -hmm. Now I understand and know. Now, uh, you know, I, I solved one issue with a child. Now I figured it all out. It doesn't work that way. Everyone's nope. different. Because you get another kid that seems exactly the same. And exactly. you're like, oh, you're nothing like that. Right. Cool, cool. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think, I don't know, I just, I, I believe that that's what makes you so powerful is that you go into anything knowing that you're, you yourself mm. are going to, find something else about it, or connect with somebody like I'm doing this experience because there might be something in it yeah so I always say to myself this is a conversation I've had with myself where I literally was talking to myself you gotta do that sometimes it's like the booger I guess. Yeah, <laughs> inside joke but um I don't know that might have made it on the recording sure did, sure did see? <laughs> Knew it. but um I had a conversation with myself where I said all right, you really have to pay attention to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention to what you're saying. Yep. And when you have those moments where you see it, you have to put it into action. You can't play the game of, well, I didn't know or I thought about it, but I didn't act on it. Mm -hmm. That's dangerous because I come from an environment where you have to make split-second life decisions. Yep. Where kids have to make split-second 
life decisions. Mm -hmm. That's like a contradiction. Yeah. You should be able to make a life decision, long-term split decision in the moment. But when you pair those two things together, it's like, how can, how is a person going to live life comfortably if they're constantly faced with that moment? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I I realized that I can't, I, I just can't play the game where I feel like I know everything or I can relax and feel like somebody else is going to do it sometimes you have to look at yourself and say i'm i'm the person that's going to do that and like with this book i i i'm the person that's going to start the new conversation mm-hmm. all right when i can predict what everyone is going to say something's not right Mm-mm. when i can predict what children are going to say before they say it something's not right when i can mm-hmm. predict what teachers are going to say before they say it something's not right when i can predict what parents yeah um schools administration policy makers when i can predict everything something is severely off right either everyone's comfortable or someone's not saying how they truthfully I feel i think the second is the most of the time and yeah that that's what it is because as you know i'm a very um I'm a very inclusive person. What? You are? <laughs> and I'm very <laughs> engaging. You are. And I love to ask questions to people. And mm-hmm. I, usually with teachers and parents and everyone that's concerned about children, we have these conversations, but there's no platform for us to talk about these mm-hmm. things. Um, and I understand the struggles that parents and teachers are going through when it comes to supporting children. Yeah. And it's so easy to say, well, the parents didn't do this or the teachers didn't do that. And don't get it twisted. There's parents and teachers mm-hmm. that I'm not fond of. Yeah. But first things first, there is a promise that has been made to children in the education system. Mm-hmm. And we have to properly provide that. Right. And then we can talk about who's not doing what. The yeah. system that has been set up is not, things have changed mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things that are outdated within that system Very that still so. exists. Yep. Um, there's things that need to be vetted much more deeply mm-hmm. as far as like programs and who's coming into the school. Um, the counselors, we got counselors that got, that are overcrowded, can't really spend time with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kids don't get a full experience of, of being with a counselor and understanding mm-hmm. what it is I need. Um, housing needs. Yeah. Um, just school is not the school that it once was. No. And like I said, we're talking about COVID throwing things off, but there were a lot of things that were happening before then. So It's like the curtain was pulled back. Pretty, exactly. Yeah. It, it forced us to look at all the things that we could push back. But it's like that closet that's too full now, uh-huh. and COVID just ripped the door off, yep. and everything fell out. And how do you get out of this? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. It's like where did all of this come from? Yeah. It's it doesn't just happen overnight, you know. Regardless if it was COVID or something else, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So it definitely um, opened up our eyes and gave us something to look at. And mm-hmm. when I saw that. And when I had that extra time away from the children mm-hmm. that I admire and adore and have teach, taught me so many lessons, yeah. I had to do something mm-hmm. to pay homage to them and to also create conversation for classroom culture. Right. Mm-hmm. It was it was such a weird... I mean, like, as you speak, I'm going back to the... Especially the first two months of everything, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the rest of this year looks like. And yeah. I... 
there were so many moments of like, you know, this teacher that, that my eldest kiddo hated so much is now in tears saying goodbye to my child right is still kind of flunking the class but right. <laughs> you right. know it's right. like maybe for i know for so many people it was time to look back and be like mm -hmm. this is what matters right right not everybody did that right you know and they had enough stuff going on and you could see the teachers who are trying to teach when they've got their own kids in the other room throwing right. things and getting right. mad and right <laughs> but right you know, and the, the kids that showed up for my class. There were some kids I never saw, mm -hmm. which was really difficult because I had them for two years. I got to actually see them in person the year before. Wow. But then this year, there were a couple that I never saw again. And the yeah. school that I w worked with was a very transient population anyway. Yeah. To kind of like this so long. Yeah. Like, I will never see you again. Right. Right, and it's like yeah, that moment is gone forever. Yeah, and that, that's when it resonated with me that I have to remember these children somehow mm -hmm. because uh, you uh, that that was my year of being intentional. Mm -hmm. That was my year of saying to myself, regardless of how you feel and what you're doing in your life. Um, mm -hmm you know you're in this space because this is where you want it to be. You can get drained and exhausted being in the school system, but you realize how much it means for an adult mm -hmm. to reach out to you as a child and yeah. you say, this is my turn to do that. Right. And I believe that year was the year that was supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. So I started doing those things. And before I knew it, knew it COVID came out of nowhere and mm -hmm. just ripped it away yep. and it threw me off because that's a part of your identity mm -hmm. you know that's a part of who you are and what you do and when you have that conversation where you're like I'm not making any more excuses I don't care how tired I am I don't care how frustrated I am I am going to do this mm -hmm. I'm going to be there for the children mm -hmm. so my original plans were to open up doors and, and yeah. um just introduce them to different people that I know that work well with children. Mm -hmm. Like figuring out what middle school fits this kid, what middle school fits that kid. Where can they go? Like give the parents the information. I was trying to do all of those things, but COVID took it away. And I, I went through like a stage of being depressed and feeling yeah. down, but all of those things transitioned into that book. Yeah, which you self-published. Which was a process. Yeah. What, <laughs> so what does that look like? I mean, do you? How do you even start? So. Not that I want to. I'm, uh, I'm putting listen. this out there. I don't want to write anything. So listen. Because that means that I'm probably going to end up writing something. So anyway. luckily, luckily. I was just, you just started a book just now, so. Pretty much. <laughs> Is it boogers? Yep. The boogers. Book, book of boogers. <laughs> book, book of boogies. Boogie book. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I had told a friend, I forgot how we, we got in conversation, but I mm -hmm. opened up to her about an idea that I had for mm -hmm. a book. I wasn't really thinking about writing a book. It's yeah. like, this is just an idea. Right. So my, or I ain't going to tell too much because that might be my next book. But my original <laughs> idea was to talk Spoiler. about, my original idea was to talk about my experience in the school yeah 
like just mm -hmm. all the way through the school experience because a lot of people ask me questions mm -hmm. after I give speeches and talk about yeah. what happened. They're like, well, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, how did that happen? Why did they say that? Why didn't they come to the classroom when you shared that? Why did you feel that way if the teacher didn't do anything to you? It's a long story and I feel like right. I have to write it down. Yeah. But originally it was about me. Mm -hmm. But... um. I shared with my friend that's the editor that I also have another idea where I just want to tell stories of the kids mm -hmm. and give people a chance to see what it's like in the school and yeah. to be present and engage with children in environments where we once again have labels thrown mm -hmm. on them, but we don't get to know who they are. Right. They're not like just these helpless individuals that need something 24 seven. Mm -hmm. They have personalities, they yeah. have their characters. Mm -hmm. They do all those things, so I wanted to bring that to life. Yeah. And my friend, she was like, let's do it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> she was like, that's how every good book Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> no. She was like, let's write, let's, I'm like, let's, let's write. I'm like, I don't know, no, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. She was like, I'll, I'll go through this with you. I believe in you. I've seen the skills that you've had, the stories that you tell, mm -hmm. and you have something to provide. Yeah. And I had told her, I'm going to let you know working with me is not easy because I usually do things on my own. Yeah. But what I'm going to do is release mm. all of my special ways <laughs> of, of um, how I engage in partnerships. Mm -hmm. I can be very anal, um, very specific, yeah. very dismissive, mm -hmm. and it's not that I'm trying to do those things on purpose is just when I have a vision, yeah. I see it the way I see it and I want to complete it in a way where it makes sense to me, where mm -hmm. it feels good and where I can give people something. So right. when you invite another person into your creative space, it's scary because mm -hmm. they can shift your thoughts. It takes your branding away. Yeah, when sense. somebody shifts your thoughts, yeah. you feel like they're being invasive. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to have a moment where I was like, Dante, you're going to have to trust her. You have to trust her. You're going to have to trust the other people too. Because I thought it was just going to be me and her. But she's like, wait, we need another editor that mm -hmm. could go over what we're editing because yeah. we're looking at it from our perspective. You they may, may be able to catch. Then we got a person that's looking yeah. over the grammar. Mm -hmm. Then we have another person that's a proofreader that's looking over the grammar and context and structure. And then we have to come back and read it again. Then you have to uh, go through that process another time with everyone. Yeah. So now your edit, they're editing your edits that you edited, that they edited. And you, you're like, well, damn. Okay. <laughs> and I had told my editor, I, I was like, you know what? I don't think there's anyone in my life that I loved and hated more than you. Mm. Because going through this every week, where we just catching up with each other and figuring things out, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. I got tired of her face, mm -hmm. but every week of going through the things that we went through were amazing because I love seeing her face. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you see what I mean? But the process was difficult because you look at uh, authors that are published. You look at authors that have the connections and um, they just have everything that helps them get the book out there. They got marketing. Mm -hmm. um, they, they just have all of the things. Yeah. You're like, okay, oh, that's what nice. happens with yeah. a book. Right. No, no, 
no, no, no, no, no. It's you. You have to take the books to the stores. Yep. You have to go over the prices, the wholesale price, the retail price. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to price the book. You got to yeah. put it on Amazon yourself. Um, you have to market it on your own. You have to do the pre-sale launch. And then after that, you yeah. have to also do the, the set the book signing up yourself. So it's got to be a humbling process too. It's a like, very is my process. stuff good enough to be presented? Yep, it is. Cause after you do it, you put all that time in it. You ain't got no choice. I don't care. I don't care if the only person that buy my book is an ant. I made the damn book. Right. I spent the time on mm -hmm. it. The energy, the love. If an ant crawl across it, I'm like, thank, thank you, you, ant. Thank, thank you. You, you appreciate my pay work. Me for this too. Right. <laughs> But you can but, now, um, and we say this about people that are in the in the acting or the talent industry, mm -hmm. you get paid for something you do. You're a professional. Yeah. So I will say that to you. Yeah. You are a professional author at this yeah, point. I, yeah. It's, uh, I mean. It's interesting because I still really haven't had a chance to feel it because I've been so busy, like, getting the book out there, doing the, the interviews, and I'm yeah. still working, so... Yeah. I have not had a chance to sit back, look at my book, and feel like I've arrived. I know I've arrived. I know I'm an author. I know the book is going to do great numbers and it's going to help change the, the classrooms. Mm -hmm. But I haven't had a chance to just sit and look at the book and say, I am Dante Wood Spikes, the author. How are you doing? Because that's you. Exactly. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I may never. You may never feel that because no. I don't feel like the the person that has conversations. I don't feel like the person that does documentaries. It's just something that I'm doing. It's it's, it's in my nature. Yeah. So, but everything that I do opens up a new door. So yeah. I know that this is really going to open up a new door for me, mm -hmm. especially the context of the stories that I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing, too, is at the end of every story, there's questions. A mm -hmm. lot of people know me as a person that asks questions. What? Right. I think, was that our first and second interview that you did? Where you asked me about the questions or mm -hmm. something? But, mm -hmm. um... Questions. It's like you walking in the door. You're like, how are you? And I didn't respond. I'm like, he's going to know. <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I know immediately. Like, oh, it's like, okay. Uh, I'm not going to answer that because you're going to know. <laughs> right. So, you know, but um, the power of the question mm -hmm. um, is trusting someone else's mind mm -hmm. and allowing them to share with you. Yeah. That's what I believe questions are. Mm -hmm. So after I share the stories that I share and I invite people into my world, mm -hmm. I want to ask them questions yeah and i want them to really reflect that's the most important part mm -hmm. of my book is yeah. the reflection piece afterwards mm -hmm. after every story there's two questions um the first one is called the childhood reflection mm -hmm. so the story i just gave to you about this child can you think about an experience in your childhood that's similar to this mm -hmm. or what's your perspective on how this situation was handled with this child or mm -hmm. what should have been done differently and then the second question is called the adult action. As an adult, the question revolves around now that we're knowledgeable, mm -hmm. now that we know these experiences exist, what needs to happen? What do we need to do? Mm -hmm. Who do we need to talk to? Mm -hmm. What needs to change in this environment? 
to make sure that this doesn't continue to happen. Mm -hmm. And that's the conversation piece with, with teachers. Mm -hmm. What I plan to do is have those conversations with teachers. Yeah. No one else. I will invite other people, but, but teachers are the, the, the central point. Yeah. That is where it begins, and that's where a lot of things end. I'm here to be, on one end, I am very critical of teachers and mm -hmm. things that I feel need to change in the classroom, but I'm a, a major supporter as well because I've been in that position. And I know that they need more support and help. And, you know, as Dante, I can tell you my story mm -hmm. about what's happening with children. Yeah. But I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many teachers in the world can tell stories about their children mm -hmm. and give you insight to what's taking place mm -hmm. in their school yeah. and what they need help with? Mm -hmm. There's nothing better than running into a former teacher who wow. really you don't mm -hmm. think would remember you for any reason because yeah. you were just another number. Mm -hmm. They remember you. Yeah. That yeah. is the most heartwarming thing and it's happened now, granted, I was really loud in high school, but I'm thinking like when I was much quieter in middle school years, and I ran into a middle school teacher, and I said, I, I'm sure you don't remember me. I, he goes, no, I do remember you. How are you? And it was like, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. It, kids getting the opportunity just for a moment to feel special, yeah. to feel acknowledged, and to feel worthy. Yeah. It's yeah. really all they need sometimes. Literally. That's, and to be 100% honest with you, that's really what the book is touching on. Mm -hmm. That you can place a lot of emphasis on how you're going to structure things mm -hmm. or, you know, how much money you're going to place into schools. You can do those things all day. Right. Numbers fluctuate, stats fluctuate, whatever, but. When you have somebody that just looks at you and believes in you, mm -hmm. it opens up that door for you to be confident yep. and to love yourself yep. and to believe that you can do things. Mm -hmm. Every person I know has one of two stories. Mm -hmm. They have a story about the teacher that cared and encouraged them yeah. and made them want to do things, mm -hmm. be better, be successful. And they have the, t the story about the teacher yeah. that got on their nerves. They didn't want to be around. They didn't want to go into the classroom. Mm -hmm. So, or said the thing that made that them that quit. broke their spirit. Yep. The the teacher that said something that broke their spirit, yep. and it stuck with them forever. So, as Gabrielle called it, art scars. Very much so, art scars, education scars, mm -hmm. every scar you could think of that sits on your spirit yep. for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And it's dangerous that if you don't know right. that that's happening. That's one of the critiques mm -hmm. I have for teachers. You have to be careful of what you say and do right. because it sticks. The things that really meant something to me are still with me and they made me who I am. Mm -hmm. The things that hurt me stuck with me and it slowed me down yeah. getting to this point. Mm -hmm. I've been able to make it here, but not everybody gets to make it here no. because of that classroom experience that kills them yep. inside and, and internally, yeah. emotionally. All of those ways they, they get attacked on a consistent basis. Right. But um, when we know how valuable we are as teachers, we can literally change the lives of our children. Mm -hmm. Simple as that.
You're amazing. I try. <laughs> um, tell us where they, where more than just ants can buy the book. <laughs> so or the, the you, um, yeah. actually what's going to happen is I'm looking to, they're going to be in the Columbus Museum of Art. Very I've heard soon. of that place before. Yes, they're okay. going to be at the Columbus Museum of Art, so yeah. be on the lookout for that. Are they that. at the bookstore? Yep, at the Beautiful. bookstore. Um, I'm looking to partner with local bookstores. Okay. Um, the I, think, I believe it's called Prologue on uh, High Street. Okay. Um, I just got in contact with the guy that's in charge. He said, hey, I heard yeah. about the book. Please bring Sweet. a few copies in. So be on the lookout for uh, that store and okay. $2 radio. Okay. Um, on Parsons, uh -huh. they're gonna be available in that store as well. Okay. So so far, those are the three stores. But mm -hmm. if there's any other local bookstores, I'm definitely looking for more to put the book in. Okay. Um, I'll do readings. I'm ready to talk to people, give speeches, whatever it is. I really nice. want to embrace this new role as an author. Yeah. And uh, get those conversations started. Awesome. And Amazon. Oh, of course, yeah, Amazon too. I definitely, I, I wanna. I want to make sure I keep it local too, yeah. for the for the book readers that love to support yeah. their uh, local bookstores and right. libraries and whatnot. Yeah. But it's also available on Amazon. So yes, and I I'll give you the link so you could put it with the okay. video. You're amazing. I try. We're just gonna have you on. I that's I think that's what I love so much about you is it's just like we need to have you on again. <laughs> but that tells me that you are constantly a student and you're, yeah. you're doing new things and you're trying new things like, Meh, now I'm an author. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. that's great. So next time we have you on, you'll be like professional tap dancer or something. Probably back professional back, back flipper. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That'd Just be like, awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to help you with that. I, I, but... I probably overshot that one because I ain't doing no flips. <laughs> At the age of 30, your body starts changing, and you're like, you know what? I'm good. I don't think I want to jump anymore. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what's a flip for? What you, like, What's who, the motivation here? Come what, on. What sick person does flips? Yeah. Who uses their body I mean, to do that? I could definitely do it. <laughs> but I don't want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, backflips. Next episode with Dante back, back flips <laughs> and how they changed my life <laughs> back flips of empathy yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be filmed in your hospital bed right. <laughs> well I had the well, gumption what happened? and here we went and I went 100% and right. here I am right 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 so yeah <laughs> and we can find you on socials yeah, so uh, social media, Dante Wood Spikes on Facebook. That's my, my main place. Mm -hmm. D-O-N-T-E-W-O-O-D-S hyphen S-P-I-K-E-S. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, it's Dante's Eyes. That is D-O-N-T-E-S-E-Y-E-S. And on YouTube, oh. yes, YouTube, you can find YouTube's my um, my work that I've been doing with my brand, Empathize mm -hmm. With Me. Um, at empathize with me on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Simple as that. Yep. Yep. You're brilliant. Thank you. Proud of you, kid. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Speak Easily. Yeah. What she said. What I Bye. Said. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>